Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. Uh, So we are in a series where we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and if you would... uh, like to turn, if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, open it up. I threw the passage in the bulletin, so like the sermon notes and everything are in there. There's some questions that I threw in that you can wrestle through during the week, and there's also the passage if you don't uh, have a Bible app or you have your, don't have your Bible with you. Um, it'll be on the screen as well, but um, before we read this passage, I want to open my iPad uh, and ask this question. Do you guys remember in high school, or maybe junior high, or even before then, if you can remember that far back, do you remember the person, and please forgive me if you are this person, there's grace, um, the person that asks stupid questions? Okay, do you remember your teacher saying there are no stupid questions? That's a lie. That's a lie. See, we all know that. Um, but then there was that person that always asks uninformed questions. Can we put it that way? <laughs> I don't want anybody offended. Uninformed questions. Or really at the root of it was the class clown that wanted to interrupt the class and use the uninformed question to try and stump the teacher, stump the chump. Have you heard that phrase? Right? Like they're just trying to get attention. They're just trying to do something to evoke some kind of response. And so you get stupid questions, right? Just to kind of like just to get a rise out of the teacher. Um, and if you've been there, we, we understand, like, we've all seeked out attention at some point for some reason. So we're all, we're all guilty. But um, this passage talks about some people that ask some questions, some leaders that are asking questions of Jesus. And they're literally, like, we see this over and over in the Gospels. They're just trying to stump the chump. Basically, they're disrespectfully coming up to Jesus and just trying to mess with him. And they're doing it from selfish motive. They're not there to learn. They're not there to do anything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to share a story about some kids jumping off a bridge, myself included. Um, We're going to look at a couple of, uh, I don't want to say heavy, but some like more in-depth kind of Bible definitions and some working definitions of how we begin to transform thinking. Um, and then we'll close with some, some like how to's and some like kind of challenges. All right. So let's journey through this. Uh, let's start out math, uh, Mark chapter 11, 27. Um, let's stand, stand for God's, God's word as we read through. There's something about posture and something about standing and changing our posture as we read his word. All right. So, and they came again to Jerusalem and as he was walking in the temple, The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. So he's like, I'm going to answer your question with a question. It's very typical, like rabbinical style. Like rabbis would do this all the time. Answer a question with a question. I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it. So they're like, we've got to come up with a really good answer, guys. 
They discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man, they were afraid of the people. So they're concerned about what people think about him. For they all held that John was really a prophet. They all understood that John was bringing this prophecy and there's honesty about it. And then he goes on and says, So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. All right. You may be seated. Um, so you see this, this challenge. So these people come to Jesus, and they're like, what authority do you have to do this kind of stuff? What's this all about? Because you're kind of challenging our authority and the religious authority that they had at the temple, right? And so Jesus answers the question with a question. And so we got to basically begin to see what kind of authority does Jesus have? Like, why does he have authority to basically answer the question with a question? And what is he doing there? So first thing I want to do is give a little definition of authority. So there's three layers of authority that you see in Scripture. And again, this will be a little like, I don't know, term heavy when we, when we start out, but it'll be good. I think it'll help us in this conversation. So first, the kind of authority you see in Scripture um, is the freedom to decide or a right to act without hindrance. So this is the ability to make a decision, um, ability to do something without any kind of hindrance, anything like keeping you from doing what you're doing, okay? And the second part is the concept of authority refers to the power, ability, or capability to complete an action. So some people have authority to like step forward, like if you think about police officers or certain people, like teachers, they have authority and they have the ability to complete some kind of action because of the position that they have and the authority they have. And the third... Um, third way the word authority is used uh, is reference to delegated authority in the form of a warrant, license, or authorization to perform something. Like, as a pastor, I can perform a wedding because of some paper that I've been given, right? Um, The authority that I've been given by the state to be able to do that. Um, There's certain authorities that we get, and I want to unpack this a little more because it's going to take some examples to do this. Um, Certain authority allows people to do certain things, right? Authority can be positive or negative, you've probably all experienced negative authority where someone's used their authority to do something like, or make you do something that you didn't want to or didn't feel necessary or whatever, right? Um, But there's positive authority where teachers use it or whoever in your life, positive authority where somebody tells you to do something and it's a good thing, they're helping you, they're trying to push you in a positive direction to help guide your life, right? Um, And it's because of their experience, because of their station in life, that they're able to speak into your life and share something. What we see here is the authority of Jesus being challenged, that they're like, why do you think you can do what you do, right? Why do you think you have the power to say what you say? Why do you think you have the ability to do this? Because you're kind of pushing against the temple and the religious authority at that time um, and challenging what they're going through. And so... For Jesus, he basically points out that these leaders are misusing their authority. Um, he uses this, this, you see other passages as well where um, basically he says, you as leaders use your authority and you lord over people and you misuse it to abuse people, right? You give them legalistic rules about religion and certain ways that you have to go into the temple and certain sacrifices and all these different things and you do it for selfish gain. So he points out that there's this really destructive authority 
but then there's really good authority. And that's what I hope we can start to see is there's a distinction between how we use our authority. And we all have authority in some way, in our jobs, in our homes. Um, we all have some kind of authority in how we use that. Um, but Jesus, as we've seen, as we've been going through the gospel, we see that as he approaches people with his authority, you see love, you see humility, right? You see that he's coming to basically bring human flourishing, which we talked about blessing the last couple weeks, and I'm not going to try and hit on that too much today, but um, this idea of Jesus bringing in this humble way of life, this way that causes us to surrender to him, but it's also a way of saying that your life, by you surrendering and surrendering that authority, will give others life, because you're not going to lord over people, you're not going to take from people, you're rather going to be generous, you're going to be giving, and you're going to be a kind of person that people want to be around, and it's going to cause the world to be a different place. And so, um, so to kind of unpack this authority thing a little bit more, like the crux of the passage is in verse 30, um, in this conversation where Jesus says, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? He basically says, like, either this whole thing's legit and who I am is legit, that I am Messiah, which was prophesied in the Old Testament, or I'm not. And either you believe in what John said or you don't. And so here's where it gets really kind of interesting because what's their response to it? Their initial response is like, well, let's put our heads together. Let's, let's try and figure out how we can stump him, right? Or how we can acknowledge the fact that, like, we do think that John was legit, but we're not going to acknowledge it. We're not going to say it to his face, right? They deny it, and they try and find some kind of, like, way to skirt around this one thing, truth, right? The truth of who John was. They knew that he was a prophet. They knew that John was talking about Jesus in this way that recognized that he's Messiah, like he was called by God, and so we have to face this thing called truth. And so truth today is one of those things that we think is kind of up for interpretation where we're like, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and we can all interpret this in our own way. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because that's one of the terms that I think as believers we have to get our heads around what is truth and why does it matter? And so I, hopefully I can convince us and help us like journey into this a little further of like why this matters. So here we go. Um, if they say yes... They're denying the truth. They're denying the fact that they know, right? They all acknowledged it. They all put their heads together and said, this is true, but we're not going to acknowledge it. We're just going to ignore that and do our own thing and come back with, we don't know what the answer is. Truth, by definition, is the body of real things, events, and facts, actuality, right? I can say that Katie, my wife, is sitting on the front row. Truth, fact. It's real. You guys can attest to that. You guys can all affirm, yes, maybe some of you don't know that that's my wife, but you're going to have to assume now, and you're going to have to learn that that's the truth, um, because the ring on my finger, well, no, just because we are. <laughs> um, but there's truth to that, right? There's truth to the fact that that exists, and we have to like face those things, and those things exist all around us on a continual basis. Truth sometimes hurts, doesn't it? Hearing the truth, maybe you've been told the truth, and you're like, oh, that stings, right? Uh, I don't want to give too many examples because I don't want to throw anybody in the bus. And, uh, but we've heard truth. We've heard truth told to us, and we're like, oh, that, I just don't want to hear that right now, but I know it's true. And so we respond with, yeah, but you, whatever, and we point back. 
And that's kind of the scenario you see with these guys. They're like, yeah, we know that's true, but we're not going to acknowledge it. And we're going to try and skirt the issue and ignore the truth. And so the fact that they ignore the truth is a really, I think, beautiful example, powerful, challenging example of truth that we have to face on a regular basis. And so let me kind of, I think, unpack this a little bit more. So they're not willing to hear it. They're not willing to face it. They're not willing to acknowledge it. So here's an example of how this plays out. So recently, I'm driving with my two daughters, and we're driving through Cardiff. And many of you probably driven Coast Highway, Cardiff. You guys know where Cardiff Reef is, and there's a bridge there that goes over where the lagoon river flows into Cardiff. Um, And that bridge is about 30 feet above the water. And that river that flows through there is, depending on the tide, can be really shallow. And I've told you guys this story before um, that in high school I jumped off that bridge. And I'll I'll tell you a little more about what happened as a result of jumping off that bridge after I share this. But I'm driving with my girls, cruising along Coast Highway, and we see a group of high school kids all gathered around the bridge, in the middle of the bridge, and you see one kid climbing up on the railing, ready to jump off. And the girls are like, whoa, what's he doing? And I was like, remember the story I told you guys? And they're like, yeah. It's like, should we warn them? And I'm like, no. I don't think they'll listen to an old guy, old ball guy, telling them not to jump. Um, and they're like, but don't they know it's dangerous? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they do. And so I, I took this moment as like a parent to be like, what do you think would convince them not to jump? So the, the key ingredient to this story is when I jumped off that bridge, I sprained both my ankles because the water is really shallow there. And it's like 30 feet and it's, it looks like it's deep water, but it's not. And so I sprained both my ankles in high school and had to drive home because I had some friends that I was trying to be cool in front of. And, um, and I remember having to drive my old 68 Ford stick shift with no power brakes or anything with two sprained ankles. I had to dr- like humbly drive home and take everybody back because they were all they all didn't have their license. And so that was a very memorable experience for me, that like the truth of jumping off a bridge and spraining both ankles is a reality. And so when I passed by, I was like, yeah, I don't think I could tell them anything that would convince them, right? And they're like, but dad, if you told them that like it's shallow and you sprained both your ankles in high school, I was like, that'd be kind of embarrassing. But do you think they would believe that? You know? And I was like, maybe they would. I was like, what do you think? Like, would you believe it if I told you that? Would you not jump? And they were like, yeah. That'd be stupid to jump if you, someone told you that you're going to sprain both your ankles, right? And so in that conversation, I learned that you have an opportunity to acknowledge truth or not. And do you guys think those ki- high school kids would have listened to me? No. So how funny is that, that we all know that they wouldn't listen to an old bald guy, right? But the truth of the matter is that they very likely probably will get hurt right? They might get away with it. Who knows? Like maybe I just jumped in like just the perfect spot that didn't work, but the odds are pretty good you could get hurt. Um, it happens quite often. And so they can either acknowledge it or they can ignore it. And that's what truth is. And that's where truth exists in our lives on a regular basis. Like there's, there's things that we're told that we can either go, yeah, I want to be a part of it or no, that hurts and that challenges me and it's too difficult for me to adopt that truth into my life. So I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to continue to live my life with the potential of spraining an ankle, right? Um, We can acknowledge it, we can be fully aware of it, or we can't. And so this is where I'm going to drop a couple more terms to help us kind of see this, like, play out when it comes to our faith. So um, truth 
in that scenario with these high school kids, the truth is that jumping into shallow water could hurt you, right? Do we all acknowledge that? Yes. Knowledge says that I know this, like we can either be open to learning that piece of information, adopting it into our lives and saying, yes, this knowledge is going to be in my brain and I'm going to do something with it. Um, But then there's belief. And belief is the next stage after knowledge. So you can know something but not do it, right? Someone could have told me in high school, don't jump. You're going to sprain your ankles. And I would have been like, that's lame. That's not fun. And I still would have done it, right? So I would be ignoring the knowledge, Ignoring the fact of the truth and not believing it. So we can know all kinds of stuff, but not believe it. We can know that loving a person, being kind, generous is a good thing, but then in moments be very selfish, right? So we all acknowledge those things, but then we live in this this dichotomy sometimes where we're just like, no, I'm still going to just keep things to myself, and I'm not going to be loving, generous, kind, forgiving, right? Uh, We have those choices constantly. And so truth, knowledge, and belief, those are kind of the layers of like really growing and learning to be the kind of people that that Jesus invites us into. And in this passage, we see the exact opposite, don't we? We see the leaders at that time were like, we're not going to acknowledge the truth. We see that it's true. We see that you're Messiah. We see that you're like healing people, transforming lives, but we're not going to, we don't want to be a part of that. We're not going to do it. Because selfishly, those leaders at that time, they gained financially from being in the temple. They gained from prestige, from authority, from being respected by the community. And all of that would be kind of wiped away if Jesus came in and, and they actually listened to what he was inviting them to do. So this whole idea of truth, I think, really, it's something we have to wrestle with as believers. It's something we have to face, we have to sit with, we have to begin to be informed and wrestle with on a regular basis. And that's why we gather here and we study God's word and we try and apply it. Um, There's a second part as we continue to chew on this passage that I see that I saw in myself and in that situation, those kids jumping off the bridge, is that they listened to each other, right? The situation that you see happening here is they feared what other people think about them. They cared more about, like, how are we all going to be right together than listening to the truth? And, and I think even that kid that I saw standing on the, on the railing, I was like, you could tell, like, there's a bunch of girls around and stuff. You know, he's, like, trying to impress people. You know, it's like, you see it happening, and you're like, really, guy? Like, it's not going to work out. <laughs> you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. You're doing it for, like, you just want attention, right? Um, but what we see here is that these, these people, they cared more about others. They cared more about what their community thought about them than really what the truth was challenging them to. The truth that Jesus really is God incarnate, that he's really God, flesh and blood, there with them. And he's calling them to this way of life that is beautiful and good and life-giving and nourishing, but they don't want to be a part of it. And, and I fear that sometimes... Maybe I'm just the only one. I'll just throw myself under the bus. So sometimes we worry more about what the people around us, maybe the friend circles that we have, will think about the decisions that we make um, or how other people will react rather than really what God's inviting us into, right? Um, 
That's the challenge that we face. And so how do we begin to shift our thinking? And this is kind of the, the crux of this message of how we gotta, we got to wrestle with how do we begin to change from knowing a truth about who Jesus is and what he's inviting us into and not ignoring that truth and actually it becoming a belief, like something that we live out of, that we continually just say like, no, I'm not going to jump off the bridge because I sprained both ankles. I'm not going back down that road again, right? That we begin to learn, that we begin to transform the way we think and that we live and so I want to show you guys a quick video that I've shown before, and hopefully this will kind of challenge the way we think and the way we approach our thinking, right? So check this out. The monkey business illusion. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. The correct answer is 16 passes. Did you spot the gorilla? For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. And that's the monkey business illusion. Nice. Learn more about this illusion right, and the so original gorilla experiment at the Invisible Gorilla. You can see dot. how we are we are missing things all the time, right? Like it happens to us because we get so focused on one thing. I would argue, and I know from my own life, I get so focused on me. I get so focused on my agenda, my schedule, my family, my own things that I miss sometimes the thing that God is trying to teach me or that He's trying to tell me, because my own agenda is so. Like, I gotta count how many basketballs are going, you know, how many passes there were. And I'm so wrapped up in that that I'm missing something that God is telling me that He's speaking into my life. Maybe you've been there. Um, and this isn't like a point the finger, shame on us. This is, this is a process. I was listening to a, a podcast this week that was talking about how some things that we, that God teaches us or invites us into, takes 10 years, 20 years to learn. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're like, I've, it's taken me 20 years to finally be somewhat patient, right? <laughs> um, my kids, my oldest is 11, so it's taken me 11 years to start to whittle away. It'll probably take a lot longer, but there's, there's things that God is doing in our lives that don't happen overnight, but if we're not engaged and we're not thinking about or listening or acknowledging the truth that Jesus is inviting us into, we can miss it, and we can miss the really life-giving good thing that God is doing. And that's where this whole idea of authority is why it's such a big deal in this passage. Because if we don't believe that Jesus truly has the authority to transform life, we're not going to listen. 
If we don't truly believe that Jesus is the best way to live life or the best way to treat people, or Jesus invites us into the best way to view ourselves, we're not going to listen. We're not going to be a part of that. But if we truly do, it's going to transform life for really beautiful, good things um, that will really transform life. And so I think the, uh, the key thing here is that the leaders at that time didn't want to acknowledge this truth. They didn't want to listen to it. They didn't want to face it because they knew that it would disrupt their way of life. We read a passage in the very beginning of Mark when we first started. It's actually the very first verse that you see in Mark. I'm going to be on the screen, but it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send a messenger ahead of you who will will prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so you see right off the bat, Mark starts his gospel, and this is the connection that we see here to this passage, is that these leaders would have known this passage. They would have known that. They would have probably had that memorized. And to ignore something that they had memorized, that they knew was to be true, that Messiah was coming, that is that John the Baptist was going to be the one that was going to prophesy about this, that he was going to talk about it and prepare the way. They're acknowledging a very glaring truth that's right in their face and not willing to address it and face it. So we have to ask, are they really looking for the answer in this question that they're giving Jesus? Or are they really just trying to stump him, just trying to prove their own way? And I would ask us, do we really come to Jesus with an open heart to hear what Jesus has to say to us? Because the invitation is beautiful. It is good. It is life-giving. It transforms life. It completely stirs our lives in a good way. Right? That's the challenge that we face as we become Christians, as we begin to follow Jesus, that it's not always easy, but it's good. Right? That the easy way generally is, it leads to destruction like Jesus talks about. It ends up being something where I'm so consumed with me and myself and my agenda that people get tired of being around me, right? That what Jesus shows us is that it's about others, it's about love, it's about generosity, it's about caring. And so this way that he invites us into, we have to hear it. We have to be able to listen and take it in. And so what I want to say is that in this conversation about what does it look like to listen to truth, whether it's our personal conversation with how we wrestle with being a believer, or if it's with other people and how we deal with that. And so this is kind of the action step, like what do we do with this? Um, because I believe that this is a very, um, I think, needed conversation when it comes to believers and how we engage our community and how we engage non-believers. Um, that the dialogue that we have <clears throat> and the, what we see Jesus model here needs to be of grace and it needs to recognize honest conversation. That Jesus knew that they weren't there to have a real conversation. They were just there to try and stump the chump, right? And so he's like, I'm not going to answer it. The very last thing he says, he's like, I'm not going to answer your question if you're not willing to answer mine because they're like, we don't have an answer for you. And essentially he says, like, if you're not willing to engage in the conversation, then I'm not going to engage either. 
If you're, not, if you're just going to bring your agenda and tell me what you think real authority is, then you already have your answer. You don't need one from me. But if you're willing to have an honest conversation, then we can both grow and learn, right? And I think that there's a lesson to be learned there in how we talk to people. Because Jesus talked about this. He's like, maybe you've heard the phrase like throwing pearls to swines. I'll show you the passage where it comes from. It's Matthew 7, 6. It says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under, your, under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So this isn't calling people pigs or dogs, okay? What Jesus is saying is if someone's willing to receive the conversation and have a dialogue where you both bring facts to the table and truth and acknowledge things and really wrestle with it, that's different than somebody who's like, you're bringing some really beautiful truth and wisdom and they're just like, whatever, I want nothing to do with that. That's not a real conversation, is it? And we've all been there where we've had a conversation with someone where they're just like, no, it's my way or the highway and I don't really care what you say. That's not a dialogue. That's a one-way street. But what Jesus shows is like, if someone's ready, then yes, engage. If they're not ready, which we see here in this passage, and there's other passages where he engages, right? But this passage, today's passage, they weren't ready. And he's like, I'm not going to engage with you. And I think there's a lesson to be learned that we don't need to push an agenda to people that aren't really willing to listen. We don't need to push something on somebody if they're not willing to engage. And if they're not leaning in, don't lean back. But if they are leaning in, engage in that conversation in beautiful dialogue that says, well, tell me what you're, where you're coming from. Well, let me show you the things I've been learning. And you kind of listen and hear, and there's a give and a take, right? But that's not what's happening here. And so Jesus acknowledged it. And I think we can learn that there's times where you just need to just say, all right, let's talk about surfing. <laughs> let's talk about whatever else we're into because this isn't a conversation that you're ready for or that you're even engaged in and interested in. And so then it's just not healthy and it's not helpful. And I think too many Christians through the decades have gotten to where like they're pushing something on somebody when they're not willing to reciprocate in meaningful dialogue, if that, just to narrow it down. And I think there's, there's a lot to be learned there. And so um, my challenge now would be like, how do we begin to discuss with one another? How, we, how do we begin to have conversation that is meaningful? Because it says that they discussed with one another and they all came to the conclusion, like the same evil thing of like, we're going to ignore them and we're not going to have anything to do and we're not going to acknowledge the truth. And so my challenge would be like, who do we have in our lives where we can have honest dialogue and conversation with about our situation, uh, about the struggles that you have, the things that you're facing throughout your week? Um, Because their echo chamber just told them, we're not going to listen to Jesus, we're going to keep doing our thing. We need space where we have meaningful dialogue. We need friendships and relationships. And that's, the, I think, the beauty of what the church does is, like, we create space and we create relationships where you can begin to engage in conversations that are meaningful, where you can begin to wrestle with the things that matter and be challenged by the truths that we're faced with on a regular basis. Um, I was challenged this week with some heavy, heavy news of a couple friends that um, are going through some really challenging times And the truth that I'm facing is that life is fragile. That life, we don't live forever. And I know that in my head, and I know that, like, none of us infinitely have time here on earth. But I somehow ignore it. And I somehow think that, I somehow take relationships for granted. I somehow take people for granted sometimes. And I need to be reminded sometimes of the truth that, no, every person is valuable, and I need to make the best of every conversation and every interaction I have with people because I never know when it's going to be the last. 
Um, I lost a friend of 20 years that I, I just think back on all the, the moments that maybe I've taken for granted and hadn't connected with him in the last year. Um, and then another friend that just got in the hospital for um, uh, uh, bypass surgery for his heart. And I was like, dude, we could have lost him this week. And so to have those two moments happen this week where I'm like, these are truths I need to face of like, we don't live forever. And we have opportunities every day to have really meaningful, powerful, loving conversations with people that show them that they're cared for and not take them for granted. And I think we all have those truths that we're facing on a regular basis. And it's whether we're willing to dig into them, face them, and really acknowledge them and live into them or ignore them and just keep going about our lives. And, um, and I know it's kind of a heavy a weighty kind of conversation when you talk about truth, but I think it's powerful. It's supposed to be good because what Jesus calls us to is flourishing. He calls us to loving. He calls us to a way of life that is so good and so meaningful that it transforms life. And so I just my challenge would be just to think about, do you have somebody in your life that you can engage in meaningful conversation that can help you lovingly tell you hey, there's some truth about your life that you need to acknowledge. Um, and I threw that disclaimer in there because I want to make sure I said it and make sure you see it. Um, you have to give someone credit or the ability to do that in your life. I can't just come in and just tell you, hey, here's the honest truth. You know, like you need to come to me and say, hey, can you just be honest with me? And can you be real with me about what I'm doing and how I'm living my life? And if there's something you see in me that I need to change, please let me know because I want to continue to... Sh- be a light in my community. I want to continue to be loving. I want to continue to be the beautiful life that Jesus calls us to. So um, that's my challenge to us. Um, and I think to close, like the, 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 the visual that I get of, um, of how Jesus calls us to live this out is kind of the story of Mary and Martha. And I know it seems kind of random, but Mary, Jesus is sitting at a party essentially, and there's two women Mary comes and sits at his feet, pours out tears and perfume, and just adores Jesus, like is amazed that he is Messiah, that he's here, that he's flesh and blood, that he's God there in their presence. And Martha's just about doing business and just working hard to be like, I'm going to make sure the party's all dialed in and make sure that everything's good and everything's in order, and totally misses the fact that she has time with Jesus right there. And she gets angry that Mary's sitting there at Jesus' feet, She's like, well, look, why she's wasting time. She's not helping and not preparing, like, the party and getting everything ready. And Jesus is like, Mary's chosen the most important thing, like, is just being here, like, pouring out your heart to the people that are around you, the most meaningful thing. And I think that that, I think, captures our faith, that, like, we are meant to be people who just adore Jesus, like, just seek after what he desires in our lives, seek after these truths, um, and not get caught up with the busy work of life, of trying to do things and all these, all these things, those peripheral things that are good. They're not bad. But the most important thing, Jesus says, is choosing to like really seek his face in all things. And so that's my challenge to us. Um, I just, uh, I felt challenged by it this week. And, and I hope that, that that helps you journey. In the notes uh, on the digital bold, I put those two videos um, and another video that talks about truth. If you want to watch that this week, it's kind of like a little added bonus homework to do during the week if you want to dig into truth in this whole conversation because I believe it transforms our thinking, it transforms our belief and our actions um, to a way that 
aligns with what Jesus invites us to. So um, let me pray over us, and then uh, we'll read our benediction. Lord, uh, thank you so much for each and every person in this room, and um, and I'm just I recognize that we all face different challenges throughout the week, and um, and different truths that come to us that we either ignore or we we face, and they're difficult, but we actually dig into them and live into them. And so help us to live into these truths in ways that is life-giving, that is beautiful, that is good, um, because ultimately we know that your way is the best way, God, Um, that the invitation to love others is far more important than anything else in this life. And so help us to live into that. Um, I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us as we leave this place. And... um, and help us just to continually be in tune to hearing your voice in these moments, um, these relationships that we're, we're placed in, the homes, the jobs, and all these places. Um, help us to live into it. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we read this, this benediction, this blessing, uh, as a reminder of the kind of community we want to be as we leave this place. And so rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, that he's guiding and protecting us. Let's share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen. Grace and peace to you.